Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ISO Review Podcast, a production of the International Management System Institute. The ISO Review Podcast shares the latest international standards development and is your resource for getting the most out of your management systems. I'm Howard Fox, business coach and host of the Success Insight Podcast. I am also joined by Jim Moran, ISO Management System Professional, who is now celebrating his 30th year delivering ISO support. So welcome to the ISO Review Podcast, and hello, Jim. How are you? Howard, it's wonderful here in Canada. The weather has been really great. The ice caps have all melted down in southwestern Ontario, at least. And we're looking forward to a great summer. And the opportunity here is terrific with you to share with some our audience, to share some ideas with our audience on how to implement an ISO 27001 information security management system. So thanks again for this opportunity. Hey, it is my pleasure. We kicked off this multi-part series a couple of weeks ago, and first segment was what does an ISMS look like? We followed that up couple of weeks ago with what are the benefits of an ISMS and everybody wants to know, how do I implement this? It's a great idea, but how do I do it? And I'm glad you're going to kind of unpack that for the listeners. Yes. And absolutely important, Howard, to make the idea turn into reality. Uh, it's great to have a document from the International Organization for Standardization called Requirements for, an inter for the Information Security Management System. But if you can't put it together and actually use it, it's not much help to you. It's kind of like buying an exercise bicycle and hanging clothes on it. So needless to say, we go back to Deming's earlier work, earliest work really. And many of our listeners today would have heard the men plan, do, check, and act. And if you're looking for a really basic and easy to follow implementation plan, that's it. First of all, you start by planning the information security management system. And I often have my clients start with doing an end-to-end -end map of from the time a client calls till the contract is fulfilled, and maybe even you want to go to the last step that Taichi Ono did back in the Toyota production system days, where he even followed the money into the bank account, because there's always a chance for an information security breach in that step as well. And you don't want that happening after you've done all the work for your client and then have it disappear out through a hole in the ozone layer or into cyberspace somewhere. So if you think of the workflow of all the information that's involved in doing business with your customers, that'll give you a really good high level start. And most of our listeners are probably aware of this, but maybe some people haven't thought of this before, but information sitting still is usually pretty safe. And so you have your firewalls in place. You have your service providers have their own firewalls and they have all their employees at it and everything. And many of them are even require different kinds of security clearance. I know one of our service providers for our software sites actually has a Palm 
print to get into the building and then a retina scan as well. So they know that the people who are in there monitoring all our clients' performance and looking for attacks. And we had, even in Canada, we've had, we get four or 500,000 attempts a day. And I mean, we're a small company compared to a country compared to the U.S. So you're probably up in the hundreds of millions a day. Sure. So, so the first thing is to see where is the information flowing. And the best way to do that, of course, is with a general, fairly high level map of the flow from start end to end. And then you start digging down into each of these specific activities. And you could even decide to create a spreadsheet if you wanted to, or you could create using any one of the software packages that are available today for flow charting. You could probably hover over a box on flowchart and it would tell you what the risks are related to information on that specific activity. As I said, the ones where the information's sitting still, pretty low risk. The ones where information's moving are the highest risk, especially if you have employees who either because of necessity or just opportunity, they might be using their laptops in a public space and doing client work. And that's probably a good thing to talk to every employee about, have training, train, 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 and train again. That's another mantra from Deming is 14 points and explain to people that public spaces are more accessible to bad actors than the typical, the typical office setting. That's for sure. And sometimes even going to your client's site, if you're working there, you want to make sure that the client has you protected on their behalf as well. So finding out where the information is moving is, is sort of the key areas you want to look at. You can't do everything. So in order to prioritize, you can certainly start with times when information is moving from either you to your client or you to a subcontractor and then to the client or whatever the case might be. Then the key piece here as well is what I just mentioned, training. The fella who was turned into a movie called Catch Me If You Can, I think Tom Hanks was the pursuer right. and Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio was the imposter. He now does cybersecurity talks all over the world. Right. And one thing that I heard in his, and we may have talked about this in another podcast, but his message is the protection is so good for most sites these days that it takes so much more work for someone who's trying to do something nasty to you to create a way to get in. It's if they just simply sit and wait till somebody in your organization makes a mistake. And then they hop in. So training, 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 training for your employees on safe activities. You might, for example, in your company, want to put in a clear screen, clean desk policy. But you definitely want to make sure people are aware of how dangerous it can be to share information in a place that they don't know for sure is secure. So that's the plan part. Yes, Howard. Couple thoughts come to mind. One is how often should I confirm with my employees that they are aware 
of our policies, IDs, clean desks, how to securely log into a computer if you are in a coffee shop or in an airport at the client's office. How often should they be reminded or tested to ensure they're doing the things they should be doing correctly? Well, that's a real challenge to pinpoint because every employee base or every employee population has varying levels of awareness, varying levels of commitment, varying levels of knowledge of how these things can happen. I, I guess the most extreme would be every hour have something pop up on their screen and their phone saying, are you being safe with cybersecurity? And of course, after a couple of days of that, <clears throat> people would stop noticing them. If you did it once a year, I don't think that'd be nearly enough. So you'd probably want to pick something like maybe a, a monthly lunch and learn to hear, but I'd probably design it so people in your audience would have a great opportunity to tell everybody in the room how they almost got caught that month. Of course, that's one of the biggest gateways into an organization is through email phishing. And, and if you can train people, I mean, you could have pictures of, um, somebody with a fishing pole and a line in the washrooms, just to remind people whenever they go to the washroom, watch out for phishing emails. The, of course, texting texts, well, I get a text probably every three or four days from our Canadian government right. saying that click here to claim your taxes back that we overcharged you on. People love that kind of thing. Everybody oh, wants yeah. to get free money. And of course, somebody not quite as aware would fall for that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So it's just, you have to judge your audience. Definitely. I think the least I would ever do would be four times a year, quarterly. Okay. And you, but just a lunch and learn. But I think, as I said, if you design it so people can, even if they share stories about one of their friends that got caught, they could say it was a friend, but you know, you know, we're saying here, but if they could, if they can share information as an employee to fellow employees, sometimes that can be more effective and it never hurts. Maybe, I don't know, once or twice a year, bring in an expert. I would also do pin testing. What do they call that? Penetration testing, okay. pen testing. And that's again, depending on your budget and how much you would lose if you were attacked. And of course, there's always the encryption, encrypting your system that can ransomware, all that kind of thing. So I guess you have to say, what's it worth to our company to lose everything? Right. Like how, how much is that, especially in terms of reputation? We had our major, one of our major, our, the major cell phone supplier or internet provider go down for more than 24 hours a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. And it, it even impinged on a current deal they were making to buy another provider. And the seriousness of that outage actually might end up, we may end up with some new legislation in Canada about a provision of this kind of service. So the having an information security breach can be a very devastating thing on a number of levels. Sure. And uh, we did put a link back to 
that story in our prior episode where we spoke about the benefits and, and <laughs> as I was finding the, a good link to share, it was yes. a very interesting story and it's like, wow. And it's just, and it goes to show even the big guys on the block, they also need to be aware and they probably maybe are, are the old adage, you walk the, you, what is you? You talk the talk and you walk the talk. In yep. that case, I don't think they were walking the talk. They probably talked about it, but they certainly weren't walking. Yes. And you can rest assured that anybody who uses their services in a large corporation, even our family, we've had some people leave them and go to the competitor. Mm -hmm. And for good, you don't get a second chance at that kind of stuff. No. It's uh, emergency vehicles were disabled. Stores, there were thousands, tens of thousands of stores across Canada that could not do business that day. And I presume there'll be some class action shoots coming up. They'll, it'll be in the multi-billion dollar range. Their stock dropped in value 4.6% the next day, which in, that turned into a billion dollar loss. That'll be so, a lesson. Yes. It's actually, I guess we're kind of fortunate it happened because it's a lesson for the whole country. Right. And that was the other part of it. It wasn't just one part of a one province. It was right across the country, coast to coast. And that was what made it even more devastating. So they certainly learned something. So we've got the plan part done. Then you do, and you would create requirements, create some documentation, keep it as simple as possible. Of course, use visuals whenever you can, or videos or checklists. The human brain absorbs visual information 60,000 times faster than text. So even though Annex A in the standard has 95 requirements for documented procedures, or at least they're called controls in this world, it has requirements for 95 controls. See if you can find some way to make it a non-text set of information, just because you want to make sure that the system is not just there, it's usable, it's accessible, it's understandable. Once again, training, that'll make that help, help that happen. Then we'll, as part of the doing, remember we're doing plan, do, check, act, more part of the doing is to have your employees involved in creating these procedures so that it's not your procedure that they're, you're trying to get them to follow. It's their own procedure that they're trying to get to follow. And you just go right through the standard. I've created a spreadsheet. It's very easy to do. Just copy and paste the words of the standard into an Excel file, and then put where your in your system, whatever system you built, just put a hyperlink to the document or the whatever you're using, flowcharts, videos, whatever, to put a hyperlink to that clause. And then when the audit comes, then you can just click on the link, it'll take you right to the place where you've met those requirements. And that's the next thing. So you've done the planning, you've done the doing, make it flow, just follow the workflow, use flow charts for everything that you possibly can with links to the other pieces of information that show how you've met the requirement. So then in the third step, check, plan, do, check, then you start doing auditing. And auditing runs the whole gamut from maybe from what your, some of your audience has heard of called layered process audits, where you actually pick a few key things to audit every single day. 
many viewers here would be probably in the habit of auditing once a year, just before the registrar shows up for their <laughs> audit. Others, my clients are pretty much on a quarterly timetable. They audit it a little bit every three months so that it's less work, less panic. People are always more ready for the external audit, the surveillance audit, or the re-registration audit. But you could choose some things just to check every day, check to make sure that the if you have any servers on board, I know a lot of people are in the cloud now, but if you still have physical servers in your, on your property, just check the temperature maybe, and hopefully you'll have an ongoing temperature and humidity in the room where the servers are. You want to make sure the servers are collecting data and check a few reports, maybe check out reports once a week or something, just so that you can do things on a regular basis so that nothing gets left alone for a long time. Remember that there are hundreds of thousands of people trying to get into your system every day. It's not a case that they're taking vacations, <laughs> right? It's a constant barrage. And of course the software folks and the systems folks can't anticipate any of this. They have no way of knowing what the next attack form is going to be like. So the more you check, the more you audit, the more you just keep track of things and it doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be a simple electronic form on a system. Some of you are, all of our clients have forms that they can build specifically for this purpose in our software. We use formidable for that. And it's a very powerful tool, it's simple to use. And people can even have an app built for their phone. So they can be walking around with their phone and doing an audit at the same time. So that's the planning, the doing, the checking. Again, the more you're checking and then making it a meaningful check, not just a pencil whipping exercise on a checklist sheet, but making the more you're looking at it, trying to understand it, figure out how things are taking place and how work information is flowing. Then after the check, of course, you do the acting part, plan, do, check, act. And the act would be to tweak anything that you discovered that was not looking quite right as you were doing the checking. Have all your employees be able to access a quick note or a form of some kind where they can instantly submit a concern they have about information security so that you're not waiting for an audit to find something, encourage people to let everybody know that either they had this phishing email come in. I wouldn't say send it around to everybody because that could be sort of counterproductive, but just let people know that you got a phishing email and the title was this until so anybody else gets it, they'll be alerted, but just acting in a way to, and it's a requirement of the standard, of course, to continually improve the effectiveness of the information security management system. Some companies still think of conformances as a bad thing. And I call non-conformance as nuggets of gold because that's where you can find out how you can make your system stronger. And we even use that phrase in our non-conformance and corrective action activities. We don't ask who screwed up when an error takes place, we ask, what was the weakness in our system that allowed this to happen? Right. And same thing when you're auditing, don't look for non-conformances. Don't look to see if people are following their procedures, audit to see if the 
processes and controls you've got in place for information security are getting you the result that you want, which is security. So just getting people to talk about how well the system is working, especially with a new system, the first year you'll just be wanting to find out if it's, even if it's been implemented and, but more importantly, is it effective? And when you find those opportunities, they, as I said a minute ago, they are nuggets of gold and it's going to help you improve the effectiveness of the system. So there it is, plan it, do an overview with flowcharts. Implement the doing part, check it, make sure it's been properly implanted. People understand it. They know where to find things quickly and then keep making it better, continually improving. And there Very you good. have it. Thanks. Thanks, Howard. My, hey, it was, it was a pleasure to join you on this journey and uh, with the management of the cyber attacks and ISO 27001, we can begin for the listeners to explore how does the ISMS look like for them? And so we've touched on that. We've touched on the benefits. Today we touched on uh, imp the implementation plan. So I know the next time we get together, Jim, for the podcast, we're going to finish up with the guidance and that is available for the uh, four potential clients who are going to want to implement the ISMS. And so look forward to diving into that. And I think that'll give the listeners a good package of information that they can take back and let it percolate and see what they need to do. Yeah. That'll be something for everybody who's listening to this podcast to look forward to. And we'll be talking about things, Howard, like ISO 27002, the guidance document 27005 is a specific document for ISO on how to determine risks, creating a risk management plan. And there are others that we'll go through in a little bit more detail. Excellent. Excellent. So Jim, before we head out today for our listeners, if they would like to learn more about you and your work and the Institute, where are the best places for them to go? We have one website called the International Management System Institute that this is a production of today. And it's imsipro.org. And I think you'll be putting a link to it in the bottom. Yes, sir. And there's a little bit of information on our simplifyiso.com website about the software and how easy it is to take what you have now and convert it into our platform. And, uh, and there are links in both places for us, for, sorry, for the listener to contact us. And I'd be happy to do a demo, in fact, for anybody who's interested to see if our software might be a fit for them. Okay. Very good. And there are some training courses for the management system implementation on the Learning Alliance website as well. We'll continue to provide the backlink to that as well. Yeah, and we're lucky here in Ontario, all of our clients have been able to access grant money to get their SMS implemented through the Canadian Ontario Job Grants. And I'm sure that many listeners, no matter where they are, there's probably some money available to help them build an information security management system. Excellent, excellent. And we would be remiss if we didn't share with our listeners that we're also going to provide a link back to Jim's LinkedIn profile so you can learn more about Jim and his background. There's a library of articles out on LinkedIn that have been produced and 
Jim is also a video star. He has a YouTube <laughs> channel and lots of great content there. And we'll have all those backlinks as well. Jim, once again, it's a pleasure to join you on this journey. I know I learn things every day. And in fact, as I work with my own clients as a business, I am faced with some of the things they are currently doing to manage their systems and how they have implemented it. And so it's nice as you are chatting and just sharing and gifting the listeners with your deep knowledge of this topic. I'm actually making connections to what my own clients are doing and perhaps even things that I need to do. So I appreciate that. So thank you so much. You're so welcome, Howard. I mean, you've probably heard the saying so many times, we're all connected. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Thanks. Okay, folks. This has been the ISO Review Podcast, and it is a production of the International Management System Institute. And you can find us online, as Jim had shared, at imsipro.org. And you can listen to the episode there uh, and our entire library of episodes. And you can also find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. So until then, this has been the ISO Review Podcast, the production of the International Management System Institute. Take care now.